feel like all the passions that God's really given me, I, I get to do all of those things in this position. And because now I have a staff uh, in the role that I'm at, it really has refined what I do, what I get to do, and all the things that I don't want to do, I get to delegate to other people. And that's the beauty of, of where I'm at today is I feel like I'm more concentrated. My time is more concentrated than it has ever been in doing the things, like you said, Stu, that God has wired me for. Being able to invest the majority of my time and my efforts in in a higher percentage of, of things that I feel like I'm gifted in and talented in. Perhaps as a youth pastor, maybe 50% of my passion was was what I felt like I was equipped to do. And the other 50% was administrative or logistics, things that I didn't have to do or things that I had to do, but I wasn't passionate about. Well, with me today is a dear, dear friend of mine, Matthew Mizell. Uh, when I'm talking about mentorship with people, this is usually the guy that comes to my mind immediately. Uh, to me, he just exemplifies what it means to be a mentor to people. Uh, so I'm just super, super stoked that I get to introduce you all to my friend, Matt. Matt, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You, you introducing me as Matthew Mizell, I kind of feel like I'm a little bit in trouble. That's what, <laughs> what my mom or my wife would say when I'm, when I'm busted. Matthew Mizell. <laughs> but hey, I would appreciate you prefer, it. Would you prefer DJ Mateo? DJ Mateo is fine. Yeah. Uh, you, you, gosh, we go back, Stu, uh, all the way back to the Mizell days. That's right. Yeah. Which is a whole nother not story. Measles. Sure. Yeah, yeah, not to be not confused, measles. Not to be confused with an infectious disease of, of the measles. No. Uh, DJ, <laughs> DJ Mizell, which is a play on the last name, Mizell. Or DJ Mateo, which is very confused uh, oftentimes with DJ Potato with the South Africans. But hey, Matt, hey. Matthew, Mateo, Mizell, whatever you want to call me, Stu. Right on. <laughs> well, I'm going to call you Matt because we are friends. Okay. And uh, Matt, I did, again, I'm just super excited just to have you on. Um, I remember when I started this whole podcast, uh, you were one of the people that I had in mind immediately that I wanted to just have this discussion with just because, dude, you seriously have so much to offer to people and people don't even know it. Um Man, if they knew how much that you've invested into me and um, how much of the person that I am today is all a part of how much you've invested into me, dude, man, people would be so, so much better for knowing math, Matthew, Matt, <laughs> DJ, Mateo, uh, but they, they would be so much better off knowing uh, you. So, dude, I'm just excited to have you on. Um, but I do remember that when I was starting this, I reached out to you immediately and I was trying to process, man, what's this podcast even going to be about? What's what's the whole point to doing Stu on this? And um, really, I believe personally that God has given us passions. And when we pursue our passions, we're more in line and in tune with how God's wired us. Um, and so I reached out to you and I asked you, Matt, what are you passionate about? And you said leading leaders. Um, and... I just thought that that was so good because I think that we just assume that leaders show up out of nowhere. Um, but a lot of the times leaders do need somebody else to pour into them. So, yeah. Um, but before we start, Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, today I'm a lead pastor at a church in Farmington, New Mexico that is called Pinion Hills Community Church. 
Uh, I've been in this seat for just under two years or so. Prior to that, I was a youth pastor for about 10 years at a couple of different churches, one in San Diego and one in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And uh, prior to that, I was a volunteer in ministry. I was running my own business and entertainment company. Uh, never really thought that I would be in vocational ministry uh, until a, a day in 2007. Um, I started praying. You know, my, my entertainment company was doing really, really well, but I knew I didn't want to be uh, running an entertainment company. I was a DJ, uh, thus the name DJ Mateo and DJ Measles, <laughs> different DJ <laughs> names that I've had. Uh, but I was a DJ and the DJ company was, it was doing really well, but it, I had an epiphany in 2007 where I was like, you know, I just don't want to be an old man DJing. Like this is a young man's game. And at the time I, I wasn't even engaged, didn't have uh, even a girlfriend, but I knew that this is, this wasn't, uh, something that was conducive to having a family. And so I started praying in 2007, God bring me in my next chapter. And as I kept praying that, I, I kept praying that and praying that, and, and I thought he'd bring me something in perhaps entrepreneurship or marketing or business or something, because those are all passions of mine. Uh, and like I said, I was volunteering at a church and a youth ministry at the time. But but in mid-2008, uh, I, I met a girl named Ashton, who is now my wife. And uh, around that same time, uh, it was interesting. There was, there was a church out in uh, Henderson, Nevada that called and said, hey, would you consider becoming a a campus life pastor for us. And you know, I had a friend of a friend of a friend that worked there, but I was like, you know, I'm not qualified for that. And that's not really, you know, I'm not really interested in vocational ministry, but thanks, but no thanks. Uh, the next day, another church called in Albuquerque and said, hey, would you consider becoming a middle school pastor for us? And I, I was like, you know, that's crazy. Another church called yesterday and offered a, a campus pastor position, but I'm not qualified and, you know, I'm not really interested in vocational ministry. Well, the next day, another church called and said, hey, would you consider becoming a high school pastor for us? And finally, it, it occurred to me, I've been praying for a year, about a year and a half. God, bring me my next chapter. Bring me my next chapter. And on Monday, he brought one. On Tuesday, he brought one. On Thursday or Wednesday, he brought one. And all three were vocational ministry in all three different churches, different positions. But it finally occurred to me, I feel like God is calling me into the ministry, uh, specifically vocational ministry, because I feel like we're all called to the ministry. But um, anyway, so uh, at the time, I was engaged to Ashton and and so I told her, I said, you know, I, I feel like God's wrong. I think he got this call in my life incorrect. <laughs> uh, but I feel like if I if I tell him no, then I'm going to, you know, get struck by lightning or something crazy. I, I don't want the Jonah experience. And so uh, <laughs> so I told her, I said, you know, I think I have to say yes to one of these. So let's let's uh, try to figure out which one is the best yes. So we both prayed about it for a week and then uh, we came back together and we both had post-it notes because I didn't want my my decision to influence her decision. So so we both wrote down which of the three we felt was the best, and we, uh, on the count of three, turned it around, and we both answered the same same answer, which was the high school pastor position at the same church. And so that was confirmation enough. It was peace enough for, for both of us. And so I uh, made plans to accept that position, and then we went off. Ashton and I went off and got married in Cancun, Mexico, which is a whole another story. And with our destination wedding, went on a honeymoon, and then came back and I started as a youth pastor on August, August 17th of 2009, and she started as a zookeeper on the same day, uh, same day at the zoo in Albuquerque, and uh, started a new chapter, and uh, I, I was convinced again that God had got it wrong, so I told God and Ashton and myself, I was like, I'm going to give God 12 months in this new role, because I'm going to prove him wrong, that he, he got me wrong, and that was, gosh, that was 11 years ago? What is it? Mm. This is 2020 now, right? So 2020 yeah. minus 2009, whatever that is, 11 years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pastor, not a mathematician. <laughs> anyway, 
but but as it stands today, man, I'm in the the lead seat, and I went back and forth in my journey of getting here, of what is God's best role for me, and in the position that I'm in today, uh, I'm really convinced that this this is the the best position that God has has created me for. Uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I love entrepreneurship and marketing and business and advertising, but I also have a passion for the ministry. And in my mind, I had always separated those things. I, I always thought that I can do marketing and business or ministry, but not not both. And in this position, you know, I, I get to do everything that I'm passionate about. Um, I, I get to be focused on the ministry, but also on the marketing and the psychology and the business of as far as getting people to come, you know, in record numbers, people are leaving the church. And so how can we how can we bring them back? How can we bring them back in, into the church to hear the message of the gospel? I feel like when they can get into a church, lives are changed. God's word doesn't come back void. Um, but it's oftentimes the art of getting people to come come to church and, and being creative with that. So, so I feel like all the passions that God's really given me, I, I get to do all of those things in this position. And because now I have a staff uh, in the role that I'm at, it really has refined what I do, what I get to do. And all the things that I don't want to do, I get to delegate to other people. And that's the beauty of, of where I'm at today is I feel like I've, I'm more concentrated. My time is more concentrated than it has ever been in doing the things, like you said, Stu, that God has wired me for. Being able to invest the majority of my time and my efforts in in a higher percentage of, of things that I feel like I'm gifted in and talented in. Perhaps as a youth pastor, maybe 50% of my passion was was what I felt like I was equipped to do. And the other 50% was administrative or logistics, things that I didn't have to do or things that I had to do, but I wasn't passionate about. But I would say because I have now a, a staff that I can delegate different things to, uh, I feel like maybe the percentage now is 90, 10, 90% of my time is things that I love to do. And the other 10% is board meetings and other, you know, types of things that I, that, are, that come with the territory, but that I don't love as much, you know? So I feel like God's got me in a position where um, more and more of my time is is dedicated and, and focused, laser focused on what God has for me and how he's equipped me. And, you know, to, to turn this back into to the audience of whoever might be listening right now, the more time that you can do things that you're passionate about, things that you love to do, the more the higher percentage of your time in your life that you can do those things, the more satisfaction you're going to have, the more sense of purpose you're going to have. So wherever you are today, maybe there's 20% of, of what you do right now is what you love. Maybe 5% of what you do is what you love, or maybe 95%. I would encourage you, take take with, with every day, every step, try to add more to your, your plate of what you love and delegate the things that you don't. So you're more and more what I refer to as your sweet spot in life, because uh, that's where you're going to be most powerful. God's wired with each one of us differently, and how he's wired me, how he's wired you, Stu, how he's wired each one of your listeners. Every one of us is different, but the more that you can be in alignment with the strengths and the passions and the interests that God has for you, the more powerful you're going to be on this earth in the role that God has, has created for you. Oh, dude, definitely. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. And man, it is, it really is a freeing thing that I found, um, that when you do step into that role of how God's wired you, like even doing this, like the podcasting thing, like for like, I don't know that it really makes sense to me as to why I enjoy this so much. Um, other than I just love to learn. And this provides me the opportunities to, you know, 
talk with guys like you and kind of pick your brain a little bit and then being able to share that with other people. Um, but it, it really is a lot of fun. And just figuring out like what you were saying, man, if only if you're only doing 5% of what you're passionate about right now, if you can figure out how to capitalize on that and turn it in uh, and flip it upside down on its head, man, it really is a freeing thing. Um, but I do want to ask you, so you're, you're passionate about leading leaders. Um, so where do you think that came from? You know, I had an epiphany years ago when I was a student pastor. When I started as a youth pastor, um, I, I had several hundred students or so in the youth ministry. And, and, um, and looking out over, over a sea of faces, I always wondered how much of what I'm teaching and communicating is really resonating. You know, I think back to the scriptures where, where Matthew tell, or Jesus tells a parable in Matthew where he talks about the seed being scattered. And, and I, I, I always kind of viewed my role as a pastor, as a communicator, as I'm throwing out seeds and I'm throwing out seeds and every week I'm throwing out more seeds, but I, I don't know how many of those seeds are picked up. I don't know how many of them are growing. I, I don't know. And perhaps on this side of eternity, eternity, I'll, I'll never know. Um, but there was an epiphany that took place. And, and I, I, I wondered how many seeds are taking root. I came to grips with the reality. I'll never know. But then I, I wondered if, if I were to spend as much time on a sermon like I do each week, which perhaps is, you know, sometimes it's an hour, sometimes it's several hours, whatever. But if I were to spend that same amount of time investing in other leaders who invested in leaders, who invested in leaders and who invested in leaders, I wonder if I would have a farther reach, hmm. you know, and I started thinking about what Jesus did. You know, Jesus would speak to the crowds or, you know, speak to 5,000 people at a time. If you count women and children, 10,000 perhaps. So he would speak to huge crowds. But he invest, invested a lot more of his time that we see through the Gospels in his 12. Right. And while he did speak to the large crowds, he, he was walking daily with the 12. And, and I'm convinced looking back in, in just his model of leadership and Jesus' model of leadership, how many of those people and, you know, the 5,000, perhaps 10,000 that he spoke to, how many of those lives were changed? I don't know, maybe a couple thousand. But I look at his investment in the 12, specifically the 11, if you take out Judas. <laughs> uh, those teenage boys, those disciples, after the Great Commission, after Jesus goes to the cross, and after he resurrects and he comes back and he speaks to these, these remaining 11, he gives what we refer to in, in Christianity, the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Surely I'm with you always till the end of the age. Had those 11 not taken that to heart and had they not taken the leadership, the stories, the, the, the things that they had learned, the lessons, and had they not gone from town to town, village to village, there wouldn't today, in my opinion, be 3.78 billion people who have faith in Jesus. So again, yeah. comparing the, the impact and the, the life impact, Jesus himself impacted perhaps thousands when he's speaking to the crowds, but he impacted billions when he chose to invest in leaders. And to me, that was a defining moment a couple of years ago of, I want to invest as much, if not more time in leaders than I do in the crowd. Hmm. And so I shifted my intentionality. <coughs> and by that, uh, when I, when I moved to San Diego, I created a student leadership team 
And uh, I used to, you know, I would meet with the student leadership team biweekly and I would invest and pour into this, this group, of, this smaller group of, of students compared to, you know, the hundreds that would show up to the student ministry. And I, I, I began to realize I started spending more time on the development of that leadership team than I ever did on the, the rest of the curriculum and the programming and the, the writing and the sermons and everything for everything else. And in hindsight, I feel like that was one of the best decisions that I ever made in student ministry was to invest more in the leaders than the crowd. Mm. Because I still hear the stories from, from all those leaders that I invested in of the people that they're impacting, the people that they're mentoring, the, the leaders that they're leading. And, and what I love is I, I call it the leadership family tree. What I love is that coming out from the branch of, of Matt Mizell's leadership, there's many other branches. And from those branches, there's many other branches. And from those branches, there's many other branches and many other leaves and a lot of fruit along the way. And for me, that's what I want my life to be about. I, I want, I want my life. I actually have it as a life mantra of leading leaders. And, you know, if you take that back to the great commission, I want to be a, a disciple who makes disciples. Um, right. And so, so that, that lights me up, that fires me up. And I know that's not the same for everybody. Ministry looks different for everybody and that's okay. But for me, I, I love the idea of in throughout my lifetime, if I invest in X number of leaders who invest in leaders, invest in leaders, I could be dead and gone someday, but my legacy continues on and all the people that I've poured into and invested in. And to me, there's no better use of my life uh, on earth than that. Investing in people, I feel like it's honoring to God and it's honoring to people. It's loving God and it's loving people. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love God and love others. And in my opinion, everything else is just details. In fact, that's a, a life quote that I have on my wall in my house. Love God and love others. Everything else is just details. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. I came across um, something that you said a while ago and it was one of those like mind-blowing statements um, where you said you're, you're, you're living a life, you're leaving a legacy that outlives your life. That's what it is. You're living, you're leaving a legacy that outlives your life. And I was just like, man, that is so good because that's exactly what Jesus did with his disciples and everything that you're talking about, you are just talking about discipleship. And that's what I love so much about, um, just how God's wired you, um, is that, whether you're in the business world or you're in uh, the ministry world, leadership is really all about just pouring into those that you see potential in, right? Like you want to see people rise to another level than where they're at. Um, and that's what Jesus did with his disciples. And for a business world mindset, it becomes, well, the business becomes better when everybody else is getting better. Um, and the church world mindset, it's we're advancing God's kingdom further down the line when the people that we're pouring into those that God's brought around us uh, are getting it and, and they're growing in their faith. So yeah, yeah, man, just that idea of living a legacy that outlives your life was a mind blowing statement to me. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think in today's day and age, you know, people want a lot of followers. They want a lot of likes and you, you've got celebrities, you've got influencers that have thousands, tens of thousands, perhaps millions of people that follow them. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think sometimes there's a, an illusion because you have a lot of followers, you're influencing a lot of people. And, and while you may be influencing a lot of people, even if, again, if, if listeners are listening right now that have a lot of followers, I'm not knocking that. But what, what I would challenge you to view is how can you replace yourself? 
not just by having a lot of followers, but who intentionally are you pouring into? Who, who are you creating and, and pouring your experience, your wisdom on an individual one-on-one basis? You know, John Maxwell, I visited his institute that's out in a 12 stone church out in, in Atlanta. And, uh, and on the wall, there's a quote from John Maxwell. It says, discipleship is leadership and leadership is discipleship. Hmm. So we can, we can influence people on a platform with a microphone or a podcast or a blog or whatever it may be. We can influence people whom we will never meet. But I, I also, I, what I don't want people to dismiss is the one-on-one connection of how you can impact a life because there's, there's all still unknown influence through that. Because if you influence and shape and craft and help pour into one life, one-on-one over coffee or lunch or whatever that looks like, if you're intentional about that, as they begin to have their influence and all the people that they impact, your name is in the credits. You're, you're a part of that story. And so, you know, I, I would just encourage people, don't just go for the followers. Don't just go for the masses. Go for the individual one-on-one connections. Even with Jesus, he had to, his 12 that he poured into. But even amongst the 12, he really poured into Peter, James, and John. He really had his top three that he truly invested in the most. So my question would be to, to each listener right now, Who's your Peter, James, and John? Mm. Even if you've got 30 million followers, people that follow you, who are you personally investing into? Because if you're not investing into individuals, you're not reaching the capacity as far as your influence right now. So I would, you know, just be honest with yourself as far as am I, am I really doing what I could be? Um, we all are busy. We all have a ton of things on our schedule. But I think this is one of those things of intentionally investing in a, another person walking with another person. And typically this looks like a, a mentorship type of thing. I mean, you don't, you don't have to be a guru. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to know everything. But really, all you have to do is be one step ahead of the person you're mentoring. And as long as you have something to offer them, something that's filling you so you can pour into them, you're, you're influential, you're valuable, and you're making a contribution to that person and perhaps changing the world because you're, you're investing in that one person. Yeah, for sure. So how do you... Matt, how do you recognize a leader that you want to pour into, that you want to invest your time in? Well, that's a good question. And uh, it's my proprietary method, but I'll tell you anyways. <laughs> uh, no, really, it's, it's uh, you know, some people are moldable and some people are adaptable and some people are not. Uh, and I, I also believe that some people have a potential that perhaps they don't see in themselves I think about when when uh, Jesus approached Peter and said, Peter, I, I want you to stop fishing for fish. I want you to fish for men. I want you to drop your nets and follow me. That, that's a big statement. That's a big ask for Jesus to ask of, of Peter. And I'm sure, you know, it doesn't specifically say what Peter's thoughts were in the scriptures, but I'm sure there was a hesitation of, well, this is my business. This is my industry. This is what I do to make a living. And you want me to drop it all? You want me to follow you? But he did. He dropped everything and he followed Jesus into the unknown. He, he went and, and started following, not knowing what this new job looked like, not knowing what following Jesus meant. And he discovered it as he went. And, and in my experience, there's been many people that I have approached um, to, to invite them to be a part of almost a, a leadership journey. Would you be open to me mentoring you? Would you be open to me pouring into you? And and I have seen many times a hesitation of, well, I don't know if I'm qualified. I don't know if I'm good enough. Like, why would you pick me? But because they're called out and because 
I see something, I see potential that perhaps they didn't see. It's almost like this little spark inside them of, you know what? I don't know why you picked me, but okay. Hmm. And they, they've, uh, time and time again, they've, they've risen to the occasion where they've been open. They've been adaptable. Now, uh, sometimes, sometimes it's a very short mentorship and they're like, you know what? I, I, I thought I wanted this and I don't want this. Or perhaps their lifestyle is not conducive to wanting to, to, to be on the same path and, and honoring and Jesus and all and, you know our actions and words and whatnot. So maybe we just go in a different direction. Then that's okay. But for the majority, probably, I don't know, 80% of the people that I've, that I've chosen to pour into the people that I've, I've handpicked for this journey, they've adapted really well to that. They've been really receptive. They felt honored. And, uh, and I think because of that, now they're doing the same thing where they, they go in and find people and they pour into people. So, so there's two approaches when it comes to how you lead people, how you mentor people. One is a passive approach. And that means you're going to wait to be asked. Uh, you're going to sit back and wait for somebody to ask you and say, Hey, you know, maybe if somebody invites me to be their mentor, then I'd consider that. And I'd pray through that or whatever. That's the passive approach, waiting for somebody to come to you. The other approach is the intentionality, uh, the intentional approach or the active approach. And that's, that's what Jesus did. He didn't wait to be approached by his disciples. He approached his, his disciples and he picked them. And so for years, I used the passive approach. I'll consider pouring into somebody if somebody asks me. But then several years ago, I switched it. And now it's, I, I do it the other way around where I, I handpick people that I invest in and I invite them to those conversations. And, and, uh, at least in my experience, I'm not saying there's a right or wrong, but in my experience, um, I feel like there's been a, a greater ROI for that. There's been more of a gratitude of, of people who have been picked and, and selected. Uh, but there's also been, from my vantage point, more fruit from that of uh, because I'm actively seeking people that I can pour into and invest into, then uh, I, I think that they're, they're not only thankful and grateful, but there's also a greater follow through on their part where they, they want to take into account the, the leadership lessons and they want to try things and they want to be able to sometimes even fail while there's kind of a safety net of me helping them through a failure and get back up, kid, try again. You know, you, you tried that's That's what's important. Let's do it again and let's do it again and let's do it again. And so they've, you know, through this mentorship, through processing with uh, these individuals, then uh, I, I think it has been really impactful for them, but it's brought a lot of joy for me. Um, anyway, so between those two options being passive or active, I would encourage people if, if you haven't tried intentionally selecting who you want to invest in and pour into, give that a shot because it worked for Jesus. And at least in my case, it's worked for me. Yeah. It, and I, I think back to even just our relationship, I think our relationship, our relationship started with you getting stuck with me as a small group <laughs> student of yours when you were volunteering and then, um, as I was feeling called into ministry, I think that's where I saw more of that intentionality <laughs> on your part where, you know, I was telling you, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to pursue a, a degree uh, in theology because I feel called into ministry. And I just remember you saying, well, before you go do that, what happens? What, what do you think about coming on as an intern under me? See the behind the scenes, you know, workings of the church. Because you've been doing all this volunteer stuff. You see what it looks like to, you know, be serving people and serving within the ministry. Um, but you just inviting me into um, the behind the scenes things and being intentional with, is this really what, what you feel called to do? Is this really something that you want to venture out on? Man, I, I saw it. 
and I, and I reap the benefits of you being that intentional person with me of making sure, man, if Stu really feels like this is what he's called to do, I'm going to make sure that he as, that he is as best equipped for this as possibly can be. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll echo what you said. Be intentional. Find those people to pour into. Uh, it's exactly what the Bible calls us to do uh, anyways. So might as well be obedient and follow through with that. Um, but so you live with this mentality of leaving that legacy that outlives your life. I've got a mentality and mantra for myself of healthy things grow. Mm. Um, and you are, you're a leader, you're a pastor, you're a husband, you're a dad, you're an author. Dude, you are so many things. So what are some things that you do to make sure that you're getting poured into and continuing to grow yourself and stay healthy? Yeah, good question. Uh, I remember when I was in college, I couldn't wait to, to be done with college so I could stop learning. <laughs> and uh, I, I look back at that now and think, what, what in the world was I thinking? You know, even in hindsight, going through high school and college, I never had the mentality of truly being a student. I was forced into being a student. And, and in some ways, you know, I don't want to live in the past, but, but I have wondered like, man, if I could go back and do high school over and college over, do all that over again with a different mentality of actually having a desire to learn as opposed to being obligated to do homework and turn in assignments, I didn't have the desire to learn. And, and I wish I had as a, as a kid, as a student, I wish I had had that desire because that desire didn't come until after I graduated from college. But now something has switched in my mind. I want to learn. I want to grow. And so rather than having the mentality, I can't wait to be done with school so I can go into the real world, quote unquote, you know, now it's like, well, the irony of this is that now I have the desire to be a student for life. I couldn't wait to be done being a student when I was a student. But once I wasn't a student officially with the title of a student, now I, I want to be a student forever. To the day I die, <laughs> I want to be a student. I want to continue learning. And so to go back to your, your question, Stu, you know, I, I'm constantly learning. It was years ago, you know, when I go off on runs, uh, go on a treadmill, go off on a trail run, whatever it is. Um, I used to listen to music all the time because, it would, you know, the, the energy would keep me going and kind of get me pumped up and whatnot. But years ago, I shifted and I was like, you know, I want to be more intentional with, with even my workout time. So rather than listening to music, which is kind of just throwing away that time, I'm, I'm constantly listening to sermons, to podcasts, to books on tape. Um, now I, I do, uh, I get bored with listening to the same things because it, it, it seems monotonous to me, even if it's different speakers. And so, so on one run, I'll listen to a sermon, another one, I'll listen to a book on tape, another one, I'll listen to a podcast. So I kind of try, try to change it up in my mind. Um, so it's not, it doesn't seem like it's just, you know, the same mundane stuff, but, but I'm constantly learning and I'm constantly growing. In fact, I just recently got, uh, an iWatch and I've been resistant to getting an iWatch for for a long time, but I finally got one because my buddy Stu had one and, and I wanted to, to be like <laughs> Stu. Um, anyway, but but on this watch, it has the ability where I can push a little button and I can record while I'm on a run and I don't have to push any other buttons. Like I just push one button and it starts recording me. And what I love about that is because, you know, that was always a problem when I'm out on a run and something strikes me, a quote or a concept or, or whatever, an analogy, I'd want to stop my run and then write it down in a note somewhere. And it's just, it's just, you know, complicated to do that, to pull out my phone, write down a note, like here I am complaining, like, look at these first world problems I'm talking about. But anyway, <laughs> so then now I little push a little button and I record a memo, a memo to myself of this is what I, uh, I want to, this is what my takeaway is. And then I just keep going on my run. And, and, uh, you know, one of, one of the guys that I admire, Bob Goff does a similar thing. 
he emails himself something like 40 or 50 times uh, a, a day and something will strike him and he'll email himself and he just keeps this ongoing folder of all the things that strike him and the things that he's learning. Some of those things wind up in his books and some of those things never wind up anywhere, but he's constantly looking for what am I learning? What's the lesson? What strikes me? And he documents it and he does a far better job than I do. I'm, I might do a couple throughout the day. So I, I strive to be like Bob where he's, he's doing 50 to 60 things because there's, if you really open up your eyes to what can I learn? What can I teach? What, what, what am I getting out of today? I think we, uh, we go through life with a different lens. We're looking for how am I learning, but also how can I help other people learn through this experience? And again, I think that's kind of the point of life. It's, a, it's, it's transferring what we learn to other people to better their lives, to, to help our, ourselves grow, to help other people grow. Um, anyway, so again, coming back full circle to your question, um, I, I want to be a student forever. And uh, sometimes I get recommendations for books and I'll, I'll listen to it. And sometimes it's a good book, sometimes it's not. Um, I'm, I'm a horrible reader, so it's very rare that I actually read. I listen, I listen to probably 99% of the, the, the stuff that, um, that I, that I go through that, that I is, is, uh, um, teaching me. Um, but yeah, regardless of how you, however you take it in, if you're visual read, if you're audio, an audio learner, listen, but, but uh, you've got to have some sort of input into your life. You have to be pouring, be, be poured into in order to pour other, pour into other people. Yeah. Well, to close out this uh, podcast, I'll ask you two more questions. Um, this one, this one, I think is good. This is like that. If you had one opportunity, you know, as Eminem would say, "Don't miss your chance." Um, <laughs> you got one DJ, shot. I'm sure you appreciate that. You get one shot. Yeah. Um, so, what is what is that one piece of leadership advice that you would give to the listener? that you believe will help them grow in their own leadership journey? I would say the first thing that pops into my mind is stop comparing yourself to somebody else. You'll be you because God's created you. He's crafted you. He's designed you. He's knit you together. He's made you the way that you are on purpose. And oftentimes in, in our social media world, in our world filled, filled with likes and, and trying to get as many likes as possible, uh, we compare our likes to other people's likes. We compare our platform to other people's platforms. And we feel lesser than if somebody has more followers or more influence or, or more perceived followers or influence. But, but the reality is that God's created you and designed you different than everybody else. And at the moment we start comparing ourselves to other people, we're expressing a dissatisfaction to God by saying, I'm not content with how you've created me, God, because I want to be like that person. And I think, in my opinion, that's a slap in the face to God. Um, mm -hmm. so you'll be you, um, Teddy Roosevelt said years ago, he said, comparison is the thief of joy. And I really resonate with that. Comparison is the thief of joy. If you think about it through the inverse, if you don't compare, it results in joy. So you, I think you will experience the joy that God intended you to experience. Jesus said that I have come to the, so that they may have life and have it to the full. And I, I believe each of our individual lives, the fullness that God intended for us to experience is when you experience the joy, whether things are going well in your life or not, joy is not contingent upon the circumstances. It's based on, are you living the life God's intended you to live? And the, the way that you do that is you assess yourself. Am I using my strengths that God's given to me, my talents, my abilities, my interests, my passions, the way that God's wired me and using those things? To bring honor and glory to his name and to serve and love other people. 
And if you can honestly look in the mirror and say, yes, I'm using who I am, my unique attributes to love God and love others, you're in your sweet spot in life. You're doing what God has intended you to do. But if you're not, if you're comparing yourself to other people, I wish I had this. I wish I looked like that. I wish I had this ability. I wish I had their talent. I wish I had that passion. I wish I had this situation. Then, then you're not, you're not being um, most effective with what God has entrusted to you. So I, I would say, stop comparing. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Be content with how God has wired you. Figure out your strengths. Figure out your interests. If you don't know, ask the people who know you the best. Hey, what am I good at? What do you see in me? What are my interests? What What do you see that uh, that I'm passionate about? And perhaps other people will see things in you that you don't even see in yourself. Use those things. Start doing those things, your strengths, your abilities. Use those things to find ways to serve people, bless people, love people with those things. And I think your contentment and joy will go off the charts when you are in the lane that God has intended and designed for you. Yeah. Well, Matt, you have been a huge, huge influence on my life um, from the time that I was in middle school all the way up to this point right here, right now. Dude, I'm always learning from you. Uh, you have been a huge, huge blessing in my life, and I believe that this podcast episode is going to be a blessing to so many others uh, just from just being introduced to who you are. Um, but if people wanted to connect with you, wanted to pick your brain, uh, maybe even receive some of uh, that coaching that I've gotten from you all these years, uh, what's the best way that they could connect with you? Uh, probably best ways through my website. Matt Mizell is my my name. So M-A-T-T-M-I-Z-E-L-L.com. Sweet. Well, dude, I appreciate you coming on and uh, being a part of this episode, passing down some more of your wisdom to myself and the other listeners. Um, and dude, DJ Mateo out, right? <laughs> DJ Mateo out. Wiki wiki. <laughs> <laughs> wiki wiki. All right. Thanks, bro. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe to get future stew on this episodes. Also, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please rate and review this podcast. God bless.